Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Thursday, June the 6th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, one more day of practice before the long offseason arrives. We're going to recap Wednesday's work, including the plan to cross-train, why an undrafted free agent left the team, and the lopsided quarterback battle going on so far in Davey. Plus, Devontae Parker doing Devontae Parker things once again, and we'll jump back in to the Twitter mailbag. All of that and more, but first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfulNFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter, and the show at Locked On Fins for all the website and podcast details, and also LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one source for your Miami Dolphins news and the number one blog in the entire Locked On Network. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and get into it. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. That's Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Michael Jordan, Game 6. Terrell Davis, Super Bowl 33. Travis Wingfield, Locked On Dolphins podcast, June 6th. What do all of these have in common? We were all essentially on our deathbeds and found a way to turn in superstar performances. I've been on the couch all day long watching NFL Network, Bar Rescue. I even watched the Colts-Dolphins game from last year because that's the kind of masochist that I am. And the final start here in about a half hour. So I pulled myself upstairs to get this podcast in despite the fact that I have been indisposed pretty much all day long. And the funny thing about this I had the exact same stomach bug the first year my wife and I met, and we were supposed to do this 5K run in our hometown here, this tiny little town in central Washington, and she was suspicious leading up to the run that I didn't want to do it, and then the night before, at like 3 o'clock in the morning, I got hit with this exact same stomach bug, which has things coming out both ends, and she thought that I was faking it because I didn't want to do the run, but then she learned because she got the same thing a few days later. Well, she got this on Sunday, and now I have it on Wednesday and Thursday here on the podcast, and you basically have to starve yourself with no food and not really any water because that's the stuff that comes back up and makes you throw up, and I've thrown up so much now that my back is killing me, so I'm just sore and tired and achy, and this episode really is brought to you by Mrs. Wingfield because she bought some popsicles and I was able to get those down and I'm feeling a little bit better but not back all the way but we press on here on the Thursday podcast let's go ahead and get into it here and talk about this quarterback battle which continues to kind of take the headline at Dolphins camp during these mandatory practices and Ryan Fitzpatrick continues to outshine the second year pro in Josh Rosen he's been attacking the vertical passing game and that comes with some of the anticipation and knowing when you can take those shots down the field and we keep seeing this notion that we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick's ceiling and my response to that is yeah yeah we have we saw it last year when he was the best quarterback on the planet through the first three games of the season now I know that's not who Ryan Fitzpatrick is that is Patrick Mahomes 
but I still don't understand this notion that because he's 36 years old, he has somehow plateaued. Yes, he is a known commodity, that is for sure, but there's a reason that guys are playing later and later into their 30s and even into their 40s these days. The way quarterbacks are protected really sets these veterans up to have a mastered plan of the position from the cerebral aspect of things without the potential dire consequences of those physical limitations that consume them. Now, Eli Manning out in New York is kind of the exception to that rule because you watch him at practice on Wednesday and some of his throws were just sailing all over the lot. He lacks the arm strength to still get it done. And that has been the case for three or four years now for Eli Manning. But that's not Fitzpatrick. He's dealing at practice and he played the best ball of his career last season at age 35. Josh Rosen, on the other hand, is making mistakes after mistake. And again, please allow me to reiterate that that is totally okay. It's fine. This is the time of year that you're supposed to push the envelope and mistakes are encouraged. Just don't make the same mistakes over and over again. I have no issues with Josh Rosen ironing out these kinks in freaking June. It's the sixth month of the year on the calendar. We have three more months until games actually matter. So can we please just relax on that? The issue I do have, however, is those repeated mistakes I saw from the tape during his rookie season. And by now, you guys know about the Josh Rosen charting project up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Those short passes lacked accuracy. He saw ghosts at time in the pocket. There is a lot to be concerned about based upon his 2018 tape. And my entire point is that this season is so much bigger than just Josh Rosen. If he doesn't work out, it's really not that big of a deal. He can stay on the roster for cheap and try to develop his game this year and next year. I guess I'm failing to see what the rush is to get him out there for opening day because Brian Flores' message of discipline and earning respect only works if he shows the same actions back to his players that he's asking of them, and that includes putting all the right guys on the field on Sundays. The only thing he owes these guys right now is to give them the best opportunity to beat the Baltimore Ravens on September the 8th at Hard Rock Stadium in the season opener. And I don't know about you guys, but being 1-0 with the Pats coming to Miami for their annual visit is exciting as hell to me because you win that game and all of a sudden this tank stuff goes out the window and we get to be excited about the team again in a year where results aren't supposed to matter and it kind of sucks as a football fan to not really have your favorite team in serious, considerable action this season. So I'm excited for that opportunity. I hope they play the best quarterback. I know they'll play the best quarterback. And frankly, if this team is going to win six or seven games under Fitzpatrick this year, then they were always going to be too good to have a shot at Tua Tonga-Vailoa or whoever you want with that first pick in the draft. That's what I don't get. I saw a lot of folks worried about playing Fitzpatrick for the purpose of staying in that wheel of mediocrity, but the rest of this roster is pretty much pure development, so if they play well, that means we're a lot stronger at those other positions and set up for better future success than everybody had assumed who thought we were going to be horrible this year because of the weaknesses at those spots on the roster. It also means, and this is the most important thing, that we probably finally found a long-term answer at the head coaching position, and to be quite honest, that's just as, if not even more important, than the quarterback position. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on the podcast and come back and get you guys caught up on the rest of practice and answer some of your questions via the Twitter mailbag here next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter, at Wingful NFL, and the show at Locked On Fins. Everybody's favorite beat writer from the Sun Sentinel, Omar Kelly, has a piece 
on how this team leaves a lot to be desired pretty much across the board. I haven't read it, but I saw the title of the article and I think it's twofold. Number one, he's entitled to write that because frankly, until the Dolphins prove that he's wrong, he's going to continue to write that kind of stuff. But the other side of the coin is that I'm very excited for this team because of where they figure to match up or figure to improve in the X's and O's department, as well as the personnel deployment. The coaching differences are really exciting to me. And I think that's something the casual fan probably wouldn't really grasp as much as those that really dig into the game and the finer points of the game. And I'm just excited to finally have schemes that make sense and personnel deployment that makes sense. I'm excited for a disciplined team. Hell, I mentioned that Colts game earlier in the podcast. The Dolphins were so undisciplined under Adam Gase. Every time they got something going, there was some kind of penalty or some kind of thing that pushed them back. And the fact that they would just run the ball on like second and 14 and give up after those penalties was so maddening. And they referred to that on the NFL Network today as Tom Pelissero talked with Laramie Tunzel about the change coming with all the discipline that Brian Flores is instilling. And that's the number one thing that he said he's taken away from the coaching change from last year to this season. And that really goes to my point back in segment number one about the program being bigger than the player. These are crucial days for the long-term prospects of Brian Flores in Miami, as well as his entire coaching staff. If he establishes an expectation and gains the player's trust in a year that we all expect to be kind of rough anyway, that to me is a huge, huge win. And speaking of Tunzel, let's talk about the unit that he leads with the offensive line. But first, before we do that, talking about cross-training on this team, we know about Bobby McCain back in the secondary playing safety and corner, and Minka Fitzpatrick's going to do a lot of that as well. There was a piece by Barry Jackson on TJ McDonald as a linebacker slash safety convert, and what McDonald had to say about his position convert from safety to linebacker or playing a little bit of both of those and how ambivalent it kind of is and how he doesn't know exactly what position he is, he says that plays into the Dolphins' hands because the offense isn't going to know what he is either, so their matchups can get thrown off by his presence on the football field. And Barry Jackson wrote that piece about how versatility is the ultimate job security on this football team in this program. And that alone, to me, as an X and O's junkie and a guy that just gets geared up for these types of subtle changes, that really gets me jazzed up. Let's go ahead and get back to the offensive line here, though, and talk about the cross-training and the offensive line lineup And I think it was back when they signed Chris Reed from the Jacksonville Jaguars that I had speculated about the lineup going Tunzel, rookie at left guard, Kilgore at center, Reed at right guard, and Jesse Davis at right tackle. And so far in the very early makings of this, even though Coach Flores says we don't want to get too caught up in depth charts this time of year, it sounds like that's the best plan so far on the offensive line. Zach Stirrup, he's just not a starting tackle in this league. And Jordan Mills, to me, is no more than a swing tackle. His durability and the ability to come off the bench and into a game in the pinch at either tackle spot is a plus, but if he has to play expanded reps, that's not a good thing. He's a swing tackle. And I posted an article about a month ago, I think it was, on Jesse Davis's work at right tackle in 2017, where he got some reps at the position. And I've got videos in there showing you some of his strengths from that position. One of those is the ability to pull in space and win in the running game. And I think he's really going to win the coaching staff over in that regard with the length and athleticism that he has at the position. 
And the free agent analysis of Chris Reed, you guys saw that I'm a huge, huge fan of his. He's very adept at recognizing games from the defensive line, stunts, twists, and delayed blitzes, and that kind of thing, and fantastic at helping out in the combination blocks. So I'm going to stick with that starting lineup from now up until September, most likely. I think that's probably the best five. Tunzel, Dieter, assuming he gets out there, Kilgore, Reed and Davis along the offensive line. Let's go ahead and go back to Laramie Tunzel, though, as he spoke to Tom Palacero at Dolphins practice about a couple things, including his opinion on the quarterbacks. They tried to get him to answer which quarterback he preferred, but he laughed it off and said, that's not going to happen. I like them both. Those guys are both my guys. But he also talked about something that I found interesting on Twitter. Somebody had tweeted a picture of Josh Rosen, who was out with some friends in Miami and said like, well, that's probably why he's behind on the depth chart. He's too busy out there partying and not studying the playbook like he should be. And I just find that notion so ridiculous. Like these guys have to spend 24 hours a day doing football. And Laramie Tunzel talked about finding that balance in his life as Pelissero asked him about his music obsession or his new take on music because I guess he has a guitar he plays. He just got himself a beat pad he works on in terms of producing music and he wants to learn the saxophone. And I think it's terrific to have balance like that in your life, especially for a guy who's as dominant as Laramie Tunzel, the leader of this offensive line. A couple other notes from practice on Wednesday. Devontae Parker appears to be doing his Devontae Parker things once again and dominating the practices. Adam Beasley, probably one of my favorite beat writers for this team, said that if he has to be honest, the offensive MVP of the offseason program has been Devontae Parker, and that shouldn't be much of a surprise. But if he can contribute at all to this roster, it's a good thing for this team because he's on such a cheap deal that really anything you get from Devontae Parker is a bonus. So maybe, maybe the light finally comes on. You guys know how I felt about him in the past. I'm not going to hold my breath, but if it does work out, I'll be happy to see it. And also everyone's favorite defensive back, Minka Fitzpatrick, picked off Josh Rosen in practice today. That was fun to see if you're a fan of Fitzpatrick. If you're a fan of Rosen, probably not as much fun, but that's the information we have for you guys. It sounds like the practice was a little bit sharper on Wednesday than it was on Tuesday, despite the fact that the team played out in the rain. And that's another thing is this team is practicing out in the elements and not taking things inside to the Nick Saban Memorial bubble and getting work done out in the elements they're going to see come game day. Okay, let's go ahead and transition here into the Twitter mailbag. You guys know the drill by now. I put the call out on Twitter. You respond with your questions and get a Twitter shout out and get your question answered here on the podcast. And the first question comes from Hello, my name is, and he is at however comma. We actually met at a at my gym a couple months ago. I think you were at Starbucks. I was at the gym and you happened to recognize me. So good to see you on the Twitter streets, man. I hope I answer this question for you. Regardless of how early it is, are you buying or selling the Devontae Parker hype? I just finished that segment, but I didn't really talk about it that much. I think that there's a chance that he could be a a contributor to the offense in terms of like a third, maybe fourth option at receiver. I'm not going to rely on the guy because we know he can't stay healthy, but if he does, he can compete and he can contribute and he runs some of the routes that maybe some of the guys on this offense otherwise don't really do. He can pick up those square ends, those slant routes. And if he can compare or compare that with his vertical threat ability, then I think he could actually be a solid number two type of receiver But again, I'm not going to get burned. We'll see if it happens again in September, and then we'll think about getting excited about Devontae Parker. Next question from TJ Brackeen, at TJ Brackeen. What's the deal with Kenny Stills? A lot of people speak as if he won't be on the roster soon. 
Is he going to be traded or released, or is he going to be here for a while? Well, he's not going anywhere this year, in my opinion. If they would if they were going to move him, they probably would have done it before the draft to pick up some extra draft capital this season. And I do think he's one of the leaders of this team. He's obviously one of the most involved players in the community and one of the best guys on the team, a Walter Payton Man of the Year type of guy. But I still think that Kenny Stills functions as a certain role in this offense. He's the deep threat. That speed doesn't slump. But he's also the best route runner of this bunch, in my opinion, in terms of finding soft spots in zone coverages and getting open against man coverage in one-on-one coverage because I talked about it with Albert Wilson and even Jakeem Grant to a lesser degree. Those guys have problems with their releases off the line of scrimmage. I think Kenny Stills is the best in that regard and I think he's still a valuable player in this league higher than Devontae Parker but kind of that same mold where he's a contributor and not the top guy on an offense. Next question here from Burcheesy. He's at Burcheesy. I'm from New England and I have not yet been to Miami, but I'm a diehard fan. I find it interesting when other fans that have also never lived in Miami, have you ever lived in South Florida? How did you become a Dolphins fan? I haven't lived there. I've been there a few times. I think there's a possibility I'm moving there in the very near future, depending on how some things go. But I became a Dolphins fan because in the 90s, when I was so damn impressionable about sports, I had the Mariners and King Griffey Jr. on every single night in my living room, but I also had the Dolphins on Monday Night Football, what seemed like every other week up here, and the Seahawks were so bad that I just wasn't interested in the Seahawks, and I love the Dolphins' colors, I love Dan Marino, and then once they got Ricky Williams, that's when things really took off, and then once the Nick Saban era began, and I graduated high school back in 2005, that's when I really, really started to take notice of the game from like an X's and O's standpoint, and really got into it, and it has been an absolute obsession ever since that time. All right, let's do one more, then go to a commercial break. This one comes from Tone Toto, at Tone Lantern. As of early June, what would you say is the team's deepest position group, and which one is the thinnest? As far as deepest position is concerned, I'm going to go with linebacker, and that's partially because, really, there aren't any deep positions on this football team. That's a big issue they had last year with depth, and then they chopped off the top part of the roster, so those guys that were the poor depth are now starting-level players or series contributors, but I do think that linebacker has a chance to be really good because Rayquan McMillan is a damn good football player and so is Jerome Baker and even Kiko Alonso as a third linebacker type of role in limited snaps he can play some ball too I'm a huge fan of Andrew Van Ginkle I think Chase Allen has a role on this roster and I think Jerron Elliott makes this team as well and I think he can play a little bit too so I'll say linebacker is the deepest as far as the thinnest group it has to be the offensive line because you lose one of those guys to an injury you're plugging in a Jordan Mills a Zach Stirrup maybe even a guy like Tony Adams you're just so deep or so thin there rather that if one guy goes down that offensive line that's already not very good could fall completely apart okay we're going to come back and finish this thing up on the other side but first I want to tell you guys about Untuck It I own three shirts from Untuck It and they are pretty much the only shirts I wear when the missus and I go to dinner thanks to Untuck It for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast if you're looking for a great Father's Day gift idea or something to wear yourself Their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend, whether you're in the cubicle or at happy hour, no tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, use promo code NBA, as in National Basketball Association. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NBA, to get 20% off your order. Team CEO Tom Garfinkel announced on Wednesday that the Dolphins would in fact build their brand new training facility 
and it's going to be ready in 2021 in Miami Gardens right across from the stadium at Hard Rock Stadium. So that's very exciting news for fans that want to go out to the facility for practice. I'm sure those new digs are going to be much better to watch in terms of training camp and getting yourself out there to enjoy some Dolphins football. It's not on game day. So big, big news for the Finns that way. Let's go ahead and get back into these Twitter questions. I'm going to answer a few more and then go lay down and watch the basketball game. I am dead tired and really struggling to stay awake right now. Let's go ahead and get to this one from Lloyd Hellebrun. At Lloyd Hellebrun, does Brian Flores lose credibility every time he praises Charles Harris and Devontae Parker? That's a fair question, honestly, and I think that he's just doing it to try to build their confidence and try to get them going a little bit because, frankly, what does he have to lose by saying that? I know it's kind of coaches speak, and coaches will come out and flat-out lie to you, like Dave Gettleman, for instance. I know he's not a coach, but guys that speak in the media in this league are going to lie to you and I don't think Brian Flores, even though he's a great guy, I don't think he's immune from that or impervious to that lying nature. I think he's going to say things that get the media off of those guys' backs and try to put them in a positive light. So I don't think it's credibility knocking, but I can see what your point is there, Lloyd. It makes total sense. Next question here from Clinton Parrot. He's at Clint Parrot. Appreciate all your hard work, brother. Can the fledging geek culture media group Dice Junkies LLC get a call out on the podcast Blood Axe, I'm the newest member and generate content and monitor the chat room for live feeds. Hashtag fins up. Well, there you go. There's your shout out, Clint. Hope that was good enough for you. Uh, check out the Dice Junkies LLC podcast. I have no issue doing that for a longtime fan, a longtime fan of the podcast and someone that asked so many good questions for the show on these Thursday and Friday shows. All right, let's go ahead and do one more here and then I'm going to come back and get to the rest of these on tomorrow's show. This one comes in from Kevin Garrard. And I do apologize if I say your name wrong every single time because I don't know how to pronounce names for the most part, but he is at Kevin Garrard 13 on Twitter. Do you think McCain could actually play well at safety or are they simply trying to find somewhere he can contribute because it's obvious that Minka should be playing slot cornerback? I think it's a little bit of both because I think higher of McCain than most people do. I was actually a big fan of his out of Memphis in college. I thought he was pretty, or he was showing growth in 2015 and 2016. Then he was just flat out good in 2017. And last year with the injury, playing out of position, the lack of long speed and the lack of coverage skills down the field like that, that was an issue for him. And he definitely is not an outside corner, but I can see him playing some of that safety role because in this defense, you're going to have to come down and cover man up as a safety in the Brian Flores scheme. I think he and Fitzpatrick could be interchangeable in that way. But again, like you said, it's about getting the five best guys on the field at all times as far as the defensive backfield goes. And I think McCain is one of those guys, wherever that has to be, find a way to get him on the field because to me, he's clearly one of the top five guys at the position. Okay, guys, I'm going to go ahead and shut things down early here today. I am just really struggling to get through this podcast, but I do feel better than I did this morning. So I anticipate feeling a lot better tomorrow on Thursday to record the Friday podcast and get an article out about recapping the entirety of the offseason program. So we'll do that on Friday's podcast. And before I get out of here, I want to tell you guys about Grip6 belts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Grip6 and their ultra lightweight belts with no holes, no flap. It's a great Father's Day gift. Go to grip6.com slash lock. That's L-O-C-K. Grip6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com slash lock. And also check out the Himalaya podcast app. It is free, super easy to use, and has every single podcast 
that you love or that you're searching for. Also, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Winkful NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. Be, 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 be,